0: The, 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 oh, this the, the hot spit tricks Yeah, the a-
1: a- a- A-S-M-R. A- A-S-M-R. Yeah, I don't know What the letters are You gotta just let Those are different letters <laughs> those are, But can
2: be You know, you can put All four, eight of those letters Together and really the, Do there, something special there, there
1: is a world In which they all do reside Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. I'm just
2: trying to get in As much air as I am coffee Sort of a, a You know, a
0: into cooling intake situation
1: oh i see i yeah. see it is very very hot yeah just if you heat hot. your
0: internal engine you won't be as hot when you go outside in the desert weather we have here
1: i think that that's the
0: the secret to
2: coffee and that's why grumpy old men for eternity have been drinking hot black coffee in the middle of the summer it is you know uh, it's just an attempt to uh i feel get personally attacked you should I, i'm talking about my grandfather this has nothing to do with you. i was picturing Dustin. uh well and that makes sense uh, yeah it's just just yeah all you can do to get your core temp to adjust to the nightmare that we're living in outside truly disgusting weather uh,
0: he uh he declined coffee last week and i almost shot him because i thought it was a uh, thing situation
2: i was, I was shocked a, it was a scroll that was here <laughs> could not tell you how shocked a i scroll? was at that a scroll a scroll Apparently, major characters have been scrolls for years in the MCU now because of a secret invasion. I'm sure oh, really? because we can't write anything
0: and yeah. we need surprises. Yeah, I just Oof. I
2: and
1: uh, yeah, I think that's funny. I'm disinterested entirely. I couldn't care less. Could not be made to. Um, we'll see if we care any more about this. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week, we continue our sort of family film marathon at random. Sort uh, of impromptu and happening on the fly. With, um, you know, that great family film director, Rob Zombie, and his effort in Netflix's The Munsters, a uh, reboot of that series into a film format Um, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And uh, we're going to be giving you this analysis here in just a few minutes, and that does mean it an analysis show, friends, not a review show. And that does mean spoilers, insofar as you may or may not care as to whether or not the monsters end up on 1313 Mockingbird Lane or not, if you even know what that means, having been a fan of the original series. But we're going to avoid spoiling those kinds of conclusions for the first part of our show. We'll have a synopsis, which will be what you read on a IMDb that just lets you know, hey, by the way, Herman Munster meets uh, Sherry Moon Zombie. What is her name? Lily. L- Lily Munster. Um, there's Lily Grandpa and then Eddie I forget all the characters, but uh, they meet, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, then we'll have our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which will be like what you read in a review, which will not give away what happens or the exact intricacies of the plot, but generally give you a sense of what the movie's kind of doing and whether or not it works. We'll do the same thing. Then we move on to a game called Expand the Syllabus, which might involve some spoilers of the film or films of its ilk, and so that's where we're in the moderate spoiler territory. And finally, we get down to business, that business being analysis, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. the The full moon appears. the wolf howls and we get the full reveal of uh the werewolf transformation of spoilerage at that point yes so without any further ado
0: arthur do you have a synopsis with which to delight us in transylvania two star-crossed lovers one a mad scientist creation and the other a vampire meet fall in love and start a family together yes the monsters that comedy series from the 60s yeah it's
1: like that
2: other show but
1: different oh the adams family yes Yes, uh, I, what 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 does the grudge match win? Adam's family or monsters?
0: For you guys, what are we looking at? What
1: do you what what, what, what do you what,
0: do you, what uh, are you what are you putting together?
1: A, a classic
2: series. Does what, what the series? I haven't seen enough of either. Truly, I, I
0: watched more of the monsters than I
2: did Adam's family as a kid. Yeah, I had much more exposure to Adam's family, but it was the movies. you know the yeah the movies Sonnenfeld. and then the the uh, the Sonnenfeld movies and then the um, animated series that followed the Sonnenfeld movies. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Or wait, is that a Beetlejuice animated series that I'm thinking? They've done both. Beetlejuice I think they animated did do both. series. There uh, is a weird
1: world of kids horror that's kind of we're in the midst of here. Yes, it was great. Yeah, it was a golden age. It, truly, truly. Uh, but yeah, no, I probably have
2: more Adams Family exposure for sure because mm-hmm. there's there's kids missing from this film, right? Isn't there the child
0: Eddie monsters? And the Eddie and cousin. cousin.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Eddie and uh, what is the, the co- hairball? No, that's cousin. It that's Adams.
0: That's Adams. That's, that's right. Yeah, there's Eddie, the son, who is a werewolf, and is there a daughter? And there's a cousin who looks like a human,
1: who looks like a oh, and they th-
0: always make fun of her for being ugly because she normie. looks like a pretty girl, uh, yeah, right, okay. she's like I can't, a, I can't think of her name,
1: but she wears like pigtails or something like that. Yes, well, I oh, guess, she's like thirty. I don't know. Oh, um, like she's like yeah older.
2: I guess like you, twenty, but now is a good time as we're kind of unfurling the plot of this weirdly plotty movie. Um, this is a prequel. Not the description I would have used. Well, you're right. Not <laughs> plotty. I guess it gets plotty in places, but it's kind of maybe. Vin. Vin, Vin um there Anyway, uh, this is a prequel to the Munster Vin series. Vignetti is my favorite Italian magician. Yeah, it's my it's my <laughs> my favorite mythical beast. I, I thought it was a kind of pasta. I'm confused. Um, yeah, this this takes place before the Munsters television series proper that we know and is about how and Lily came to fall in love. How I cool.
1: met your mother, scary style. Yeah. So, Arthur. Uh, oh, you've already delighted us, I suppose, with that synopsis. So let us move on to our quick thumbs up, thumbs down. You Earth. had seen this before, right? I've seen it twice now. Okay. Yes. And uh, I did not re re watch. I re re watched it within two three weeks of our announcement of the film being the thing. And, gotcha. So and you didn't s- didn't it was fresh one. on the brain. It was it was quite fresh on my mind. Makes so sense. I did not I did not re enter the world of one three, one three mockingbird lane, uh, for this. Uh, but, um, I am within uh, a couple weeks of having seen it. That
2: feels appropriate. You're fine.
1: Um, anyway, uh, so there you have that. Um, but yeah, I have come to it more than once this is first times for both of you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I go to you first then Arthur, what do you think? Do you like the Munsters? Why or why not? Uh,
0: the Munsters is very colorful, uh, gorgeously, uh, Design, production-wise, uh, incredible sets, incredible costumes. Uh, there's a lot of fun bits that I'm a sucker for where there's just like uh, like fun set dressing. Like uh, at the beginning, uh, we get a uh, blind date between, uh, or at least a date between uh, a Lily and Orlock. Really good uh, stuff which there Which is fun But they go to this Egyptian restaurant And there's all kinds of Fun kooky uh, monsters And beings And mummies And stuff with, And I'm just like That's the kind of Fun world building I think is very much In line with the show Well, they mm-hmm. go back
2: To his place For Disco Vampire Which yeah. I think is a Real treat <laughs> Yeah uh, <laughs> What a soundtrack guys I don't
0: know if you've Listened to it It's a good time It is Sounds like a good time um, It's it's those little things that I mean this is You know Charming uh, I think it's quaint, maybe too quaint uh, a lot of times, um, but I mean, just incredible to look at. I, I, it really is. I mean, um, the the sets, uh, there is a art piece of Herman uh, who starts a band uh, of sorts, uh, but there's this art piece of him with his eyes bulging out that gets shown as his album cover, but it's on the wall in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible, incredible stuff. So, you know, Zombie, I know, is a fan of this, obviously. his probably most known song is named for the monsters. Uh, you know, so he's got a deep, uh, love for, uh, these characters, this property. And I think that comes through and I think almost maybe a little too slavishly in some ways. Um, and I think it's about an hour too long, uh, is is where I land. I think there's the meat here for a really cool pilot to a Rob zombie directed franchise, uh, series Mm teaser. I would watch wholeheartedly, and unabashedly that I think would be fun but there's about 50 minutes to an hour of too much fat on here that where it's it, like you said I mean there's no plot I, I mean it is just kind of vignette after vignette and some of them work and some of them don't much like Popeye I think in a lot of ways um, we talked about that last week um and it's it's gorgeous but it's not enough mm. and, and it feels much more in the vein of and then maybe what he was going for I don't know the Munsters TV specials that they did kind of in the 90s and a few other times uh, after the original series had ended uh, with different casts. And and this is kind of in line with that. I think um, the way it's shot looks like it's kind of made for TV, the way it feels uh, is in that sort of same vein, I think, as a made for TV movie. I could see this on uh whatever ABC family is, whatever that became. You know what? Like mm-hmm. 31 Days of Halloween, I right? This is yeah. like a yeah. an original for 31 Days of Halloween. Um and so there are things about it that I do enjoy. It's charming. Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh Daniel Robuck Robuck as, as Grandpa Munster the count is just killing it. He's yeah. the star of the show. Um everybody else is okay. Uh they all have their moments. Uh whatever Herman Munster is doing uh, whether it is incredible. Jeff Goldblum or uh, who did I send? I can't remember the other one I sent. Um, I forgot. He's in Men in Tights. Robert Men and Tights. Oh, uh, Cary, Cary Elvis. No, yeah. uh, the the sh- sh- uh, prince. Oh,
1: the, the uh, Lewis. Richard Lewis. Yes. Richard Lewis. yeah. That's
0: you. who. It, it, it's it's somewhere between those two, uh, and it just doesn't work for me. I don't think most of the time. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Sherry, uh, moon is kind of in the same vein. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but you know, Daniel Roebuck is just the star of this show, I think. And he's, he's having a lot of fun. We get some fun stuff, you know, some fun cameos Elvira shows up, uh, which is a good time. There are a lot of Easter eggs and references to the series, which is cool. So, you know, I don't think that I think it's definitely a labor of love. I think it's just too much uh, is, is what it is. And I think, again i would like to have seen a really trimmed down lean mean version of this that would kick off a series cuz i think there there's a lot of potential for a fun mm-hmm. modern take on a new series right and this idea of the monsters think they're normal and everybody else is ugly that that the kind of where we end this obviously arriving on mockingbird lane and them realizing what's happening is just fun. And that's the kind of stuff, right? We finally see Herman in his costume and, and doing the thing. And so uh, I, I think there's some really good ideas here, uh, but I don't think it's ever kind of greater than the sum of its parts. So that's fair. That's yeah, that's where I'm at. It, had- it's fine. Uh, not mad. I watched it. Enjoyed things about it. Laughed a few times. Uh, I, I, I'm a sucker for Herman Munster's. uh one-liner pun band <laughs> thing that he's doing. It's really good. Uh, that's a fun bit. Uh, and so it, it has those things about it, but overall it's just not doing it for me.
1: Very good. Very good. What do you say, Dalton? Do you like
0: this I, or
2: not? Sorry. I had to go way back in the conversation and pick up my attention because I didn't notice that that was Cassandra Peterson playing
1: the, uh, Oh
2: yeah. Playing the the real estate page. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't, did not realize that was a virus. I love seeing yeah. her. Yeah. A lot of love for Cassandra Peterson. Mm-hmm. That's all. Uh, I am warmer on this than Arthur, not by a whole lot, but definitely I like the performances a lot. Uh, I'm definitely warmer on um, Sherry Moon Zombie as Lily and uh, on uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips as Herman Munster. I think they're both really fun. Uh, and that really is the strength of this. I think the three leads are giving very fun campies, 60s, Uh, sitcom performances kind of filtered through a a slightly more, you know, postmodern lens uh, because there is a little bit, you know, it's not full full-on 60s sitcom performance but it's definitely got a little bit of that and it's still it does feel very sitcommy though and I, I think arthur was right to invoke maybe a uh, a, a tv reboot might have been a, the better direction for this to have gone because it is it is weirdly long and i i do think that there is i, I when i say it's plotty i mean we're constantly the, the film's like oh hey by the way we do have a plot going on we're going to cut over to the characters who are moving the plot along behind the scenes uh and we'll get to them we'll integrate them into the rest of the film eventually and it's just kind of kind of a weird structure for the film to have when it is, you know, essentially a bunch of like funny and silly shorts, you know, strung together. Much like we talked about with, as Arthur said, I think comparing this to Popeye is very fair, and not just because they're, you know, both adaptations of pre-existing properties and are both family films, but they like share a lot of energy in terms of trying to faithfully bring one feel. Into a a film format Um, and this film especially feels uh, like a fake movie like it really does it's a Netflix universal I mean Netflix didn't even produce it I should say they're just distributing it it's actually universal Mm -hmm. like their direct to video arm is who financed it which is interesting that uh, they it was eventually originally going to be on peacock at one point and ended up you know netflix acquired it somehow it's kind of curious. i would wish i'd had a chance to do more research on how the rights to this worked out because it is kind of interesting but i i bring that up to say it does very much look like a a streaming vehicle you know it's the, there's a lot of money on the screen in terms of the art direction that arthur's already talked about being the production design the costuming the makeup it is all really spectacular but the cameras themselves, like you know, the shots occasionally we get kind of a cool Dutch angle or, or something like that. But and or a, a you know a, a clever zoom in or a pan in that's kind of kind of cool. But I don't know. They're just uh, lighting wise, it does look kind of like drab, leaves a little bit to be desired, and does very much look like a straight to streaming property. So it, it, you know there are elements where the money really shines through, and you know the creativity is is all fully on display. And other times where you're like, oh, this kind of looks flat um so your mileage may vary some there uh listener uh, I, I, I for the most part I'm on board with it though I love the look of it I love the performances like I said and I love just a very charming you know not every dad joke lands and between the count and Herman there are a ton of dad jokes uh but you know the ratio mostly shakes out in the wash I feel like it's fun you know give yourself over to this movie have a good time I say I, I think it's it could have been much worse and there's much worse versions of this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw this compared to, you know, like the nineties Flintstones film or the Casper film. And it definitely Mm -hmm. feels like, and I, I didn't see this film brought up, but I, I thought of the Brady bunch Mm -hmm. Um, and all those films, like definitely like that era feels really indebted to this, where it's like a, a a love letter to the original thing that is still trying to carve out its own lane a little bit. And I, 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 while I get what you say, Arthur, about maybe he's he's a little too devoted to the series for it to you know shine through. I feel like there's moments where it's it's trying to do its own thing enough, um, especially Herman being in a band like that's it's its own thing this, and this like hellbilly
1: band yeah. This,
2: well, and is very much just like feels like Rob Zombie's maybe most autobiographical movie in some ways about the groupie who like likes his band and is just cool and he wants to hang out with her and he's looking for real love. I don't know, it's kind of cute. Mm -hmm. I think there's like something a really sweet thread like going out uh, through this movie and and truly a weird thread of wife guy shit throughout his entire filmography Mm -hmm. with his, you know, always using Sherry Moon as a lead in his films. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's maybe the most endearing thing about his filmmaking, uh, which is a pretty mixed bag as far as filmographies go for me. Uh, I think Devil's Rejects is a huge bummer. I know we talked about this that on the show a a long time ago now, but uh, I've. I don't remember how I felt when we talked about it, but every time I think about it, the movie, just bumps me out. Oh. Did you like Lord of Salem? I'm I to do remember. like Lord of Salem. Yeah. That one I liked. Uh, I haven't seen House of a Thousand Corpses. Have seen his Halloween stuff? I haven't seen any of his Halloweens. Uh, so that's why it's it's a mixed bag for me. I haven't felt drawn to his Halloween remake and sequel. Uh, they're I've heard different, a lot of, but I like them. See, and that's I know people like you,
1: there's a few people that like them, and I know people who hate them think they are garbage. Well, they're not the Halloween movies. They're not the John Carpenter movies. I mean, that's just plain, you know, they're not yeah and so once you accept that, whether you can accept that is sort of the question. yeah
0: can you accept a humanized Michael Myers yeah. is really what it's you can question or not mm. and it's interesting it and half Instead hours.
2: Of the shake Well, and that's no, that's too long. that's too long but, well, that's too long for a horror movie <laughs> for a sl- well uh, uh, maybe not too long for any horror movie, maybe too long for a slasher film. that's that's a long run time for a, a pretty straightforward story to that's sustain fair you know, just we're overcomplicating the too many too chefy a dish. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, uh, what haunted world of El Super Bisto? That's when we haven't mentioned his animated film. You know it's about that? so fun. It's pretty OK. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's goofy. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was like 19. It is the uh, scary R-rated SpongeBob. Yeah, it's goofy. Anyway, mm. all of that to say, just kind of an interesting filmography when you look at the work. And uh, this is maybe the strongest thing in there uh, just because it has a lot of love and a lot of passion in it. And, uh, I, I, think there's a lot of, a lot of personality in this film, considering that it is a, you know, a, a remake of, you know, not the first and probably not the last retread of the Munsters since this film might as well not exist. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious if this is the last we see of the monsters for a while. I, I assume it will be a right? while
1: in that five years is a while.
2: Yeah. You think of five years max before sure. somebody takes another Abs- stab at it? Absolutely. Just because this kind of flew by night and this is what we do basically doesn't exist. Yeah, the churn. This is just what we do. Yeah. Interesting. Well, how do you feel about it? Mr. I've watched it twice, not for show homework, just because you were interested. You, I know you like zombie as a filmmaker. Generally, I
1: do. I do. There's a line in the West Wing in the seventh season in which um, the uh, Jimmy Smith's Santos character is on the plane with his wife and they are watching a Rob Zombie movie movie. And um, he mentions that Josh, do you like these movies? Because I, I prefer his earlier funny movies and Josh acting like I know him, but I don't know him uh, kind of thing. And this is like the this is the earlier funny movie, but it's later uh, in that case. And uh, yeah, it's I, I, I think the jokes work. I, I but it, for me it is it's all about it's all about set design. Uh, you guys know mm-hmm. I am such an eye candy guy uh, when it comes to some of my aesthetics in film. Now I, I'll like a movie that's kind of ugly that's telling a, an interesting story or telling a particular kind of truth. You know, there's a way in which you know a movie like um, um, Children of Men is not pretty. There's nothing pretty about it. its sort of cinema, cinema cinematographic choices. Quran um, does pretty in other places, but that movie is sort of intentionally ugly, but the storytelling is Very itself, gray. Yeah, very gray, and it moves it, it, it. It's important aesthetically for what that film is doing, and so it's not that I just care for style and not substance, but I do like a lot of style when I can get it, and this movie has got style, guys. Those costumes, sure. as you mentioned, just the, the masks, uh, you mentioned the cameos and the choices there, the sort of loving love letter to those 19 1960s and 50s monster kids like this move. I I am not one of those kids. I I, I despite all the jokes to the contrary, you're already grown up by then. I, <laughs> got him. Uh, you're always a step ahead. I, I miss that era, <laughs> and yet I I have a real kinship with, with those monster kids, and uh, a real love for the Adams family, uh, for uh, the Munsters, for just that sort of silly uh, spirit of Halloween meets you know, motion picture entertainment of Mm -hmm. some sort, whether it's televised or cinematic. And so I have a lot of love for that. And so I I sort of come in with a sort of preconceived affection. And within that, I see, again, incredible choices. You know, you mentioned cinematography as far as the way the camera moves. But cinematography is not just that. It's also lighting. And the lighting in this film is incredible. Really? I love it. The it's garishness. nice.
2: And, it's nice in spots when they're like, yeah. there's a lot of colored lighting going on. The club on. stuff's cool. The club stuff's great. I, I don't know. When they get to LA, like it just looks. <laughs> I, I know it's the point. I Yeah. Scissorhands. Right. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. that same idea. Okay. This Gothic
0: house in the suburbs. I don't know.
1: So, you yeah, know, you might
0: be talking me into it a little okay. bit.
1: That's for me. That is the point. And so that all works. Um, and if you've watched any of the old Munsters, Herman Munster is an idiot telling these idiotic kind of jokes mm-hmm. all the time anyway. And so I find that to be incredibly faithful and uh, just, again, delightfully sort of. I think they're funny. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a. Do you remember Rob Zombie's wool like commercial? No. hmm. Uh, Arthur does It's so, like a Texas
0: Chainsaw thing it's, right? Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely It's this torture Commercial of the Torture that you do To your clothes And how Wool Light Sort of restores them mm. And it's all these Clothes and various Torture devices of the Rack and whatnot Stretching devices And whatnot And how Wool Light Will save it And it is that Sense of humor Of Rob Zombie That I, I really do Appreciate And he doesn't get Much opportunity Because he does do A lot of much more Serious kind of scary I think Sid Haig Does some of this Stuff in that Devil's Rejects Trilogy which I mm-hmm. haven't seen the last one of those films, uh, so I can only speak to House of Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Those that's the second mm-hmm. one, and yeah. the, the third one being you know Three from Hell or whatever yeah. it's called. Um, I haven't caught it yet, but I really like that about what he's doing. And so for me, it, it, it it's it's um. It's a particular vibe of a film, you know, which is a thing we say way too much on this show. But it is it is a vibes film. I it, mean, it's infecting language. that That's a word that just
2: like has really wormed its way into the lexicon over the last four years. Yeah,
0: truly, truly just True a good, scapegoat of a word.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> But it, it, it's a creation of an atmosphere of a very, very specific kind of atmosphere, which is that uh, 2000 aughts kind of aesthetic that zombie was trying to create in his white zombie later on rob zombie projects musically and then what he ends up creating in his filmography as we've seen uh that moving forward and so it is that side of it but it is that side which is less in the grindhouse exploitation vein and more in just the good old-fashioned schlock uh, again 60s general audience television kind of thing this is the perfect movie to have playing at your halloween party if you uh, everyone uh, the, for the for the Halloween party where people care about Halloween where where we they notice Spirit Halloween we I noticed a sign I think I was with you uh, Arthur when we saw this there's a Spirit Halloween sign already sort of appearing of course um, here it is July 30th at the time of recording this episode guys and we see that already and the, the people who go there immediately and start getting ready start gearing up those countdowns to Halloween that you see in July it is for that group of people who just love having a good time and love that sort of spooky. But not just spoopy in spoopy, I think, is the word, not scary. It's the no. people who
0: don't take Halloween serious. Like, it's a. It's a really good time. Yeah.
1: And it's not. Yeah, it, it's not. You know, we're not conjuring, you know, um, Baphomet yeah, 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 where the people who just like, oh, by the way, we will definitely have a giant Baphomet wearing it's, sunglasses. It's kitschy. Yeah, kitschy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, and Zombie I think has been kitschy for his whole career. Absolutely. I think that's like part of the, the the deal, right? Yeah, I think that's part of what you get with Rob Zombie.
1: And, and so, it, if you if you go with that sort of kitschy kind of world, and again that that sort of techno inflected sort of new metal that is his kind of music, if you are willing to go there with that, then this is a thing that you can be really really entertained by. Uh, again, not with a full sort of kind of attention as arthur mentioned it being long it is vignette it does feel like a a series that was turned into a film kind of thing or the pilot for a series that was sort of uh after the fact elongated and i i I think it was intended to be a movie that that does have sort of an act structure where you have before Mm -hmm. meeting honeymoon Mm -hmm. and then you know arriving Mm -hmm. in los angeles after they lose the transylvania house spoilers uh, who cares? But... So it has a sort of standard three-act kind of structure there alongside these little... Again, the way you would organize any sort of comedy film uh, with these vignettes of just, you know, whatever hilarity you want to do. The discovery of Spot, the dragon in the the French canal. Really is, fun. Yeah, it's I mean, the
2: honeymoon is really where the film peaks. I, and I've seen somebody else make that point. And mm-hmm. I, could, yeah. I can't argue with it. All that stuff in France is so funny. It is so funny. And all the travel stuff. Like, the traveling to France, the traveling to L.A. Like, the way the film... like. Uses its budget mm-hmm. works. Let me rephrase that. Works within its budget to depict travel is like so clever and fun, mm-hmm. and just like yeah, just visually like really entertaining. Uh, I don't know, and
1: adds to this this atmosphere that we've talked about. That it's just kind of
2: this kitschy, campy sort of.
1: And, and we mentioned Cassandra Peterson's arrival as the real estate mm-hmm. um, person there in Los Angeles, and really this what the, the movie is uh, a movie on the set of a horror host show that that's what you think about we're gonna film the mustard monsters on the set of Svengooley, on the set set of Elvira with a bit more money, but it's just that kind of that kind of world of we are we're going to be definitely taking taking everything down a notch. We're definitely going to be not self serious. We're definitely going to be lovers and appreciators of things that are horrific and, and sort of the world of horror. But we are definitely not going to be serious at all. So if you can sort of think about that creative team sort of coming together and saying we've got all these props and we've got this money, how do we design a TV series or a uh, an individual film that's sort of in the world. of... Of one of these sets that's what the monsters is and for me that's stuff i all like and so i'm kind of there for it um but again I, is it a good plot no is it a particularly complex plot no is it um are, is there any sense of character development no of course not this this, this is not what that thing no. is but is it fun yes i think
2: it hangs together better as a movie than pop say popeye Mm-hmm. Um, yeah know, I think it even though Much it's more effective they're both too long um and they're both about the same runtime mm-hmm. um and yeah struggle to get yeah just again neither of these movies needs to be two hours It's really weird that I they both are but I think it hangs together
1: better yeah so there you go to your listener we're cooler to warmer to just somewhat um Tepid. I think we all had a good time. We had a good time. So that that's our general opinions on uh, the monsters. Moving on now to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus. And at this time, Dalton's going to explain what that is all about. That's right.
2: It's time for us to conquer the worm, as, as one might when discussing Rob Zombie. Um, we've dug through the ditches. Mm-hmm. Now we've got to burn through the witches. You're right. Business time is where we conquer the worm. That's We're where we slam in the back know, of the Dracula, Dracula. Of course. Yeah. Right now we are just... Yes, Burning Through the Witches. Uh, This is a part of the show where we deliver on the promise of the show's premise. We discuss the films you would never discuss in a film studies course, and we're going to do it in a film studies course type way. Uh, We're going to build syllabi around the film The Munsters and try to invent a class that would feature this film as a prominent text and pull in other works, other texts, other, you know, critical analysis and, and,
1: you know. Be smart, but with the monsters. Yes. God help us. So, um, God help you, my friend. I'm going to ask you first, do you come prepared with a syllabus? Yeah, I don't know if this is a,
2: a unit or a class unto itself. Uh, But definitely something about musicians turned filmmakers is what I want to do. We look at Rob Zombie, good or bad, question mark, the eternal, because he's maybe like the most notable. That sounds like a community class. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. I I mean, it's stolen from the the Nick Cage good or bad class. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man,
1: hero or a menace. uh, Yeah, Yeah.
2: but he's like the most notable, zombie, I mean, is the most notable musician turned filmmaker, just because he's, you know, had a pretty long filmography at this point, but he's Mm -hmm. not the only one by any stretch of the imagination. When you got Ice Cube writing Friday and producing Friday and then eventually going on to direct um, The Players Club. Uh, Questlove just did his, um, mm-hmm. his um, mm-hmm. Summer documentary. Soul yeah. documentary. Uh, RZA did Man with the Iron Fist and has done a couple of movies since then. Uh, Boots Riley obviously has the incredible uh, "Sorry to Bother You" and is doing "I'm a Virgo" for Amazon right now. Uh, Donald Glover, uh, you know, obviously was an actor and a musician at the same time, but you know, transitioned to directing with uh, you know Atlanta with his brother. So and and then True Stories, the David Byrne film. So a, a long tradition of musicians like making the pivot to film. A lot, plenty of musicians also love film and are in, you know pulled into that art form. And there's as well. certainly
1: lots of great uh, musicians who just simply work as actors as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: Yeah. And there's even more of those. There's, tons uh, there's tons 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 Tons, tons more of those. Uh, Prince directed a film, too, though. So I'm not Mm -hmm. I've left off a couple of people from the list. But I I think probably, you know, if it's a whole class, maybe it's a class on crossover careers Mm -hmm. and just sort of. Looking at the different overlaps in the entertainment industry, and and maybe it would just be a unit on the the filmmakers or the musicians turned filmmakers would be you know one unit over in this larger class of crossover careers, and then you know Rob Zombie would just be a week on, on Zombie and his filmography, including of course the monsters, uh, but yeah, I, I'm just you know it's interesting to to see these you kind of have to diversify the portfolio so to speak in entertainment uh because you're never going to be getting to do the one thing forever they won't let you it just doesn't work that way and so it is always interesting to see um artists who have you've been able to to make the transition to you know full-time you know art creation uh to find different avenues to work in Uh, I'm always excited by that and always excited to see how people's careers evolve and you know, whether you like or dislike Zombie, I think his career is an interesting one to look at in terms of just, you know, starting off with uh, a very, you know, inspired by his own per- picadillos and, you know, uh, fascinations with the House of a Thousand Corpses moving on to the more, you know, genre, not genre, but um, franchise, you know, IP sort of thing, and then moving back into his own stories. Uh, Just, you know, an interesting career and a lot of misses. Uh, I I know we've there's a film that we've forgotten to talk about entirely. He's got another one. Uh, I'm just now remembering it and I can't think of the title of it. It's like something about maniacs or I can't remember. I feel like he's got a move. I'll look it up when I'm done talking. Uh, But yeah, anyway. Interesting guy and uh, interesting to study, Uh, just again, because he's got maybe the most films directed of any musician turned filmmaker that I can think of. So that's what the class would look like. Uh, Arthur, how do you think
0: you would manage to teach the Munsters? I think I'd take a look at TV TV adaptations, uh, uh, kind of a long history of that in some ways. And so uh, I think the thesis that we'd be talking about here is uh, related to nostalgia. And monetizing nostalgia and capitalizing nostalgia and then identifying, you know, corporate pushing and greenlighting versus passion projects, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is also an idea kind of here as well. Um, And we see this really, I think, rise to prominence in the 90s. Uh, Dalton's already had a couple of mentions here with the Adams Family. Uh, and the Flintstones, kind of both in that time frame. Uh, I didn't look at movies that were like uh, parts of the series. So like the X-Files, I don't think I'd put in here as that was kind of an ongoing part of the series, right, Not, you right. know, ongoing at the time, the Simpsons movie. I didn't really consider Correct, those. Yeah. I was thinking of this was a property and we've adapted it now for a new generation or, you know, whatever. Uh, and so I would take a look at uh, I think the starting point here is the Western Maverick uh, starring mm. Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster with James Garner. That's a fun movie. Yeah, kind of based on the, the classic series uh, where James Garner was Maverick and he kind of gets to reprise that with a new generation of Maverick uh, there. Uh, if you like riverboats and, 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 and cowboys and poker. Uh, Maverick is your dad movie of the week. Couldn't get away from that film in the nineties. Yeah, huge hit. Dad was a big Maverick fan, so I think we went to the theaters to see it in, in Small Town Oklahoma. So uh, I think it's a fun starting point. Obviously, the Adams Family, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. I I don't know that there's a better one-two punch uh, of Adams Family and Adams Family Values. Uh, Sonnenfeld goes so hard uh, in both of those films that. And they just both work very well. Mm-hmm. I think they're very true to the spirit of the Adams, And then I think here we could have the conversation of obviously uh, the Adams being a comic strip, mm-hmm. which gets turned into a TV show. And now we have the Son and Phil, Raul Julia versions, uh, which kind of echo more the TV show. And then we have the later movies, the animated movies that are more based on the comic strip. So like there's a lot of kind of cogs in that. Uh, Bell Tower but then and then you so, have Wednesday now to slide yeah, into all that right so a lot of things kind of taking place there but uh, I think The Adams Family is a fun property to look at we gotta talk about uh, Mr. Movies himself we gotta talk about Mission Impossible uh, we'll talk about Brian De Palma's sure. uh, original kind of take on that this very Hitchcockian uh, noir thriller spy movie um, that kind of kickstarts a franchise doesn't quite get there and then just goes all out when tom cruise decides he'll die for cinema if he has to uh and so uh we jumped to that like i said we look at the flintstones again maybe a bit too cartoony for it's going good but it's kind of trying to capture the magic of that show was yeah maybe we would interrogate for fun why there wasn't a jetsons movie Um, Mm. I want my Jetsons movie. I don't. Um, (laughs) We talk about Scooby-Doo as written by James Gunn. Oh, sure. uh, uh, Which, you know, is kind of in a weird place because it it, I think, you know, I, I think Gunn's talked about this. It wants to be the more adult For the people who grew up with Scooby Doo, the subversive
2: take on it, yeah. But he
0: gets kind of held down by the studio to be something else. So there's a lot left on the cutting room floor, which might make it more interesting, or maybe it's more interesting without that stuff and just kind of thinking about it. Uh, We talk about Twenty One Jump Street as well uh, with uh, Tatum and oh my gosh, Jonah Hill, yeah, uh, there and and the way it kind of ties into the show. Uh, We talk about Charlie's Angels um going back to 2000 we talk about that one we're going to talk about the new one uh elizabeth banks directed uh and then we would talk about the avengers not those avengers the british avengers
1: the other ones yeah uh, oh
0: yeah the big studio flop uh and i didn't think about it but we might also do wild wild west we Look a wild wild west yeah. Jim west desperado no you don't want not
2: a none of this Six gun. No, we're, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Sorry, Dustin. How would you teach the monsters? So
1: I think what I would do with the monsters is I might do a course in which, again, sort of the vulgar auteurism, okay. uh, where you sort of look at these, you know, low rent auteurs, And I think Zombie has a distinct, singular kind of voice and can be part of that argument. And what I might do in this course is rather than simply just you know run our way through his filmography, is the more interesting way is to think about the postmodern auteurs and their influences. And so it would be a course in which we watch the movies that influence the aesthetic of one Robert A. Zombie. Uh, I don't know what his name is. It that was doesn't, funny. doesn't that was matter. No, that was good. Uh, so you would look at, uh, I think one of the first examples, I think you have to go into that universal classic horror cycle. And I think the real case for this is probably uh, one of the earliest films, and that's Fan of the Opera with Lon Chaney, uh, in which you see, uh, uh, again, the great sort of prosthetic makeup work that that is his face, but also the way in which uh, he creates this sort of sympathetic yet also villainous. Like there's this way in which he's, he's the bad guy, but there's a real Sympathy that the film's able to create as well There's real pathos to Cheney's um, Phantom and so I, I think That would be a real kind of key Crucial place for this I think you have to look at the 70s Exploitation era um, for sure I think Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS With all of its exploitation with well, all mean, of he, its Weird BDSM with all of its weird yeah, Nazi
2: imagery he does werewolf women of the SS for the grindhouse right so yeah. he does That short for the the, tra- the fake for The
1: fake trailer so I, I think that's one to look at I also think we ought to look at a little bit of Pee-wee's Playhouse because he was a production assistant on that and, uh, which is awesome. It uh, makes, I mean, I think the connective tissue is, especially in the case of the monsters is really very much there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dario Argento, I think is also really, really important to be looking at. And I think Suspiria is the place to go, uh, with that film, with this sort of candy colored, uh, sort of lighting scheme that is the whole, uh, you know, um, Three Mothers trilogy uh, from Argento. Look back way back in the past your listener, when I forced our dear co-host to suffer through the Three Mothers. All that madness way back when. Three Mothers is such a bad movie. Anyway. It's so fucking awful. But, Mother of
2: Tears is the title of the film, Yes,
1: I but uh, I do think um, Suspiria and um, Inferno are both great. Oh, they both I, rule. I stand by them. Yep. Um, with with no qualms or qualifications. But just looking at, again, the sort of DNA that is the thing that is the aesthetic of uh, Rob Zombie. I think also we would listen to a little bit of Alice Cooper and the shock rock of the 70s because I think that's sort of an important part of the aesthetics as well. Sure, yeah. And uh, just... And then just use those sort of bits and pieces to come together and say, okay, so this is the assemblage that makes up what we will see in the monsters or Lords of Salem or which you know whatever zombie film you want to use. And Mostly, it would probably show the monsters because you know I don't want to torture anybody too terribly bad. I've already made him see you, um, Ilsa, so I've already been cruel enough. Um, but that I think is a good way into the sort of world of uh, Robert Zombie and what it is that influences him the haunted worldville super beasto one might say yes indeed so uh there you go to listener your syllabus just got quite a bit longer um did we do Arthur? we didn't do Arthur. Yeah. Oh yeah we did you did tv and you yeah. did okay i just feel like we're flying i don't know why we're moving along I just, man i just feel like we're doing the thing i we're, guess
2: it's time for us to slam
1: in the back of this dragula dude <laughs> <laughs> that's right it's time to get down to business
0: Yes, indeed. Um, All right, so you're, you're, you're talking about Rob Zombie as auteur. Mm-hmm. What 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 makes him? What are what are his markers as auteur? What sets him apart other then just than just a mentor on? Other than scene? being a wife guy, he's a wife guy. He's, he's a wife got a focus on family, mm-hmm. whether it's the Munsters or the Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Family's big. Um, obviously, a love of horror and appreciation of horror, mm-hmm. a long history of that. What what else are the the markers of? A one Robert A. Zombie.
1: It seems to me that Bobby Zombs is uh, the kind of guy. <laughs> Bobby Bones' <is> cousin. The <laughs> Robert W. Zombie,
2: right? Robert White Zombie? Mm. Is that? Anyway, continue. I, I, I have no idea. Um, I hope his White name is zombie. like
0: Clarence Thompson or something. I've never looked up what his, his government I name is. I'm going to see what's on his SS card. Yeah. <laughs> Social Security, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I, Schimel, I knew what you meant, but I'm glad you clarified. He means
2: SSN, dear friends. Yeah. So while Arthur's pulling the research, Dustin, yeah, what, what else do you make of his filmography? Oh, or did we have the research ready to go? Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, We have it?
0: Robert. Okay. So you were right there. Middle initial B for Bartla, Bartla.
1: Cummings. Cummings. Robert Bartla Cummings. Okay.
0: RBC, baby. All right.
1: The. the... <laughs> I I think his aesthetic is one, two, three. I mean, clearly it is the sort of um, hyper, um, you know, much more to formalism than realism Mm -hmm. kind of world. But again, in terms of set production and of lighting, he's not one of those people who's going to edit the film in a sort of fragmented kind of way. He's not a heavy uh, sort of uh, visual SFX kind of guy that's going to create these sort of super abstract. He's not abstract in any sense there but he is the the super formalist in terms of just design of the film and he's also uh, seems to be really interested in what I think that the Munsters is doing and a number of his films are doing in the creation of these subcultures and that this is what the normal is that you sort of find mm-hmm. your new family of people who sort of see the world in the way that you do and this can be in a super sort of twisted kind of violent kind of way of the, the, the um, not firefly. firefly family of uh, the Devil's Rejects and ha- House of a thousand courses. Or is that the one with the brown coats?
0: <laughs>
1: uh, by the way, thirty-one <laughs> is the film that I couldn't think of. Oh, really.
2: 31, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Also with Richard Brake, who's really funny in, in this film, mm.
1: um, and and that kind of thing, uh, and, and and sort of trying to, and again, sympathy for these characters. Again, the sympathetic mm-hmm. Michael Myers that mm-hmm. is in uh, the Halloween. Yeah, movies. I was going
0: to say he's kind of got that in line. I think with Del Toro, right? Like the the sympathetic monster and the mm-hmm. empathetic monster, and and finding a, a voice for them and and trying to shed a light on outsiders and outcasts kind of a thing, right? Yeah,
1: without, uh, I, again, I think without in any way sort of endorsing or giving a sort of pass to the monstrosity. I don't yeah. I don't think there's any sense in which we think the Firefly family are people you want to live next door to. Yeah. You know, unlike maybe Michael the Myers Ministers. did a bad thing, but yeah.
0: why did he do a bad thing? It's yeah. The kind of the thing. Yeah, right?
1: that, that's a much more interesting question for him yeah. other than just the sort of recitation of the monstrosity, although he'll do that uh, for his audiences and the, sort of the expectations of horror audiences for that. But what he forces them to do, and I think this is what they react negatively against, is to think about why is this person this way and the sort of utter brokenness
0: that results in these kinds of acts. I like Dalton saying that this may be his most autobiographical film, because I do think there may be a lot of weight to that statement. Yeah, um, just,
2: I, th- I mean, there's just like this nice. I mean, he wrote and directed this film. There's just this, this nice moment about like, yeah, I'm just you know a regular girl having a regular life, and yeah. it's just I don't know. There's mm-hmm. this, a real sweetness and tenderness
0: oh, yeah. to the relationship in this I mean, film. Yeah, he's a goofball making music, and he, yeah. and he meets this girl, and they fall in love. It's right? all and they're right made there for each other. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's all right there That's in the fun. text. That's yeah. a fun reading. I am
2: not the only person. Uh, I think Brandon, I forget his last name, but he he did the action movie awards that was going all on around online for one of the i think it was variety it was oh, some, gotcha. one of the big publications uh but he, he had a letterbox review that talked about this idea of, of it being uh, autobiographical uh, yeah it just kind of really got me thinking on that uh he called it aspirational cinema which i think is uh really funny uh stress uh s-t-r-e-u-s-s-n-i-g Brandon Strusnig. Anyway, I've been following him for a little bit. I like him. Strassnig Strassnig, Yeah, I don't know yeah. German names. Okay. What do you want with him exactly? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, Smith. It's pronounced Smith, I think. <laughs> yeah, I. I uh, it's it's right there, and I think it's very sweet and tender. I just I think it's nice.
1: Well, and I don't think we get a lot of those kinds of stories where somebody where you really sort of see love being found mm-hmm. in that in the midst of that subculture. You know, mm-hmm. you you sort of see the outsider coming in. You sort of see the it's way it's really
0: it, this or shape of water, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I <I'm> mean, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that sort of like I'm into this sort of weird kind of world in which there's not a whole lot of other traction, and you and you normally see again the the person who's not one of these people, but they fall the, the power of their love sort of brings them together, mm-hmm. or they they meet each other and then they find their thing afterward. It's not really sort of within the confines of this is just a place in which there are various people who are interested to gr- greater or lesser extents in this particular kind of music. I think this Nick kind and of aesthetic. Nora's
2: infinite playlist is one of the only things. Coming to mind yeah. right now of like within the, the subculture and that being part of like I guess Scott Pilgrim versus the World too, kind of a similarly like similar age group. I mean same main cast, mm-hmm. right? Uh yeah. but uh those two films come to mind. But I, yeah, I, I you know what you mean. Like it's more of the the something wild type thing, right? Usually. Yeah. That, that's I mean we typically get like a lot of a, a-
0: from across the tracks, type yeah, stories, right? Sure. right. Water, kind of yeah. 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, sure. Is, you yeah. Know.
1: Or um, here I give you this album, and now I discovered this music. And mm-hmm. now I, uh, because I have shepherded you in there, you the dude to the girl, mm-hmm. right? And very mm-hmm. sort of uh, bro explaining what's going on there. I heard a. I was at an Oppenheimer screamer screening not very long ago, and there was a um, very loud bro-splainer behind me, oh. uh, which was very. It's always funny to <laughs> have one in your theater with you. Uh, well, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's who this movie's for. But nonetheless, um, it, it Oppenheimer
0: Screaming is my punk
1: band.
2: I mean Dustin You just right there Nailed on the head Why so many people Hate Christopher Nolan
0: <laughs> That sentence summed it up huh? Yeah Movies for dumb guys <laughs> To like, feel oh. smart too. Movies for dumb guys That feel smart too That's yeah.
1: Truman He was like that <laughs> Shut up I know At what
0: point did you Point at the screen And say that's Oppenheimer <laughs> You know I never did I missed my opportunity You didn't do the Leo
2: Yeah and- I didn't I really did miss my shot I mostly did when James Remar showed up Yeah
1: uh, we've already talked about Oppenheimer. Yeah, enough said. But um I, I I think that is the nature of his O'Tourism. You okay. know. And I and I think part of what he's doing, I will mean, also use one of his song lyrics, you know, the sort of interest in his types of characters that he that he they tell stories about. And I think Herman and Lily are good examples of this. More human than human. That there, mm-hmm. there, there's, a, there's a sort of hyperhumanity, which mm-hmm. is all of its sort of extremes, extreme sort of romance and sort of affection, lust in other cases, or rage and anger. That I, I, I do think, though, uh, the line comes from Blade Runner, and uh, he's a big fan of, you know, the sort of uh, stylizations of Ridley Scott there. But I do think that that is part of what he's doing is, is, is examining a sort of hyperhumanity. And by looking at humanity at its extremes, it does seem to be that he's a, he's a kind of thoroughly humanist filmmaker. You know, uh, I, I think about sharing me zombies sort of, um, strange arc in Lords of Salem, which is a movie that we've done for this show, which I love a lot. And her, her struggles with addiction and her willingness to sort of give herself over to whatever the thing is because of this huge, massive sort of social guilt that she herself is sort of experiencing as a Hawthorne, uh, descendant. And also as just sort of the cultural baggage of Salem, Massachusetts, that, that It does seem to be like a hyperhumanity that he is interested in sort of examining in his films. And so, yes, his movies are all about replicants in that sense. But in order that we might see hyperhumanity, not less than humanity, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, that, that Herman's more human than human. Yeah.
2: There's uh thinking about the ways in which this film's autobiographical and, you know, the, the brief stint uh, of Herman's spending some time as a musician. Uh, Jorge Garcia from uh, Lost mm-hmm. as Floop uh, doing the whole, we got to press vinyl, baby. Come on, we got to strike while it's hot. Like, I love that whole element. It's very, it, you know, it doesn't we don't really like stick with that it doesn't become part of the movie. But it is just kind of a fun idea. Like this, this burst of fame that Herman Munster is experiencing. And again, just all ties back into the, the sort of low-key autobiographical element running through this which mm-hmm. again is there's not a, a depth to it it's just you know this this dude has is writing a love story for the first time in his career and is using you know part of his own life to to weave into the fiction of this property that means a lot
1: to him and he was really into the kinks and so he's in a band that's like the kinks you yeah. know that's fun yeah i
2: don't know it's cute i i think so i you know it's it's definitely the best use of of sherry moon i think Other male well, she's great in lords of salem she too. really is um but I definitely I know I've seen people complain about her feeling shoehorned in his movie sometimes. but I think she's really solid in here. It was doing the hand stuff. giving me a lot of uh, what's her uh, Alice Murphy. Alexis Murphy. No. Oh, yeah. Alexis is the character's name. Annie Murphy. Annie Murphy. Giving me Annie Murphy from Shit's Creek with yeah. the hand stuff. Mm. Really, really funny.
1: Well, I think she's really channeling a uh, vampire as much sure. as she is uh, Lily Munster, which I think again, another horror host mm-hmm. uh, seems to be mm-hmm. part of what she's doing there, which again, is just for the postmodern fun of the movie.
2: One of those things, one of those things that I wish I understood better and I wish somebody could explain to me is well, how come sometimes digital photography looks so shit and sometimes, how come sometime it looked good? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, and I, <laughs> I put it in very dumb language because I, it makes me feel very
1: stupid. Because which, I don't, are, which, which case are you making for the Munsters?
2: It doesn't look great. Okay. It, it looks like it's straight it to streaming. Cheap. It looks straight
1: to streaming. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, you know, but again, there are times and we've talked about this. There are places in which the, the money's on screen, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, the art direction, the production design, and costumes, makeup. Like that all looks really good, especially, um, you know, the Herman Munster makeup. I mean, that could easily not look good. And it's pretty consistently on point throughout the whole film even when he's like doing a lot with his mouth and you can see like maybe start to see the the color of his actual lips and you know it's it's all still it looks pretty good Mm -hmm. you know i mean everything is like where it needs to be the coverage is solid but the 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 photography itself and I, i i i think the lighting is fine like i like the dramatic i like the colorful and very garish lights that they're using But, you know, and I I get what you were saying about, yeah, L.A., of course, it's supposed to be kind of washed out and flat because they're now in the, the, the they're out of Transylvania. They're in the normie world. But I don't I don't know. There's. There's just moments where I I agree. uh, Yeah. Yeah,
0: That's kind of what I was speaking to earlier. My review is that it, it looks like it was made for TV. Like it's shot in that way. Mm -hmm. That's very much a TV special. Well, you look at, but I think a part of it is it feels like it's just shot in the vein of a TV show. Yeah. you kind of always spoke to some of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. that comes with its own set of limitations and restrictions and, uh, kind of creativity to get around that mm-hmm. right with sets and I think it's a combination
1: footage. of frame rate and shutter speed at some point too I mean I'm not a technician when it comes to this stuff but I mean I know the equipment available for television has that different kind of look yeah because I mean I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I think I'm pretty certain that um only god forgives um from Reffin which is equally garish in terms of its sure. lighting was shot also on digital oh
2: definitely that's a digital film yeah no.
1: and, and, and and so mm-hmm. I, I do think it is it comes down to the funding the money of yeah. the, the, the the type of camera specific or lenses but you may Man, have also I mean, been
0: going for a TV look which is kind sure, of hard right. to know you know sure but it, I I know exactly what you're saying because I felt that in several sequences
2: and there are definitely moments where he's like Kind of being more daring as a director right and is having the dp kind of get in there and there's there's some handheld stuff mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. d- we get the uh the spike lee float uh for the introduction of lily which mm-hmm. i of course loved uh, but it, again, also does kind of harken back to, um, you know, sort of classic mm-hmm. horror movies. I, I
1: think Vampire's uh, introduction yeah. specifically is exactly it's like, that. It's like that. That it, makes sense. Down a hallway with the Perfect. smoke and all that. Yeah. That uh, there's, uh, there's a gif running around in the circles I look at gifs on. Gotcha. And I see that a lot.
0: I think we've also come to a place that we've just gotten so used to almost any TV being shot almost cinematically. Yeah. yeah. And that to go to something a little more traditional is a bit Mm off-putting in some ways as well. Sure. But again, I'm not a technician. I don't know. Maybe they're just poor. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's the thing. uh, Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Everything is... We need a Nick Sanford here, right? Do, I, mean, I mean,
2: Because somebody tell me, explain the difference between Alexi's and Red's. The and, Burns Brothers. Yeah, or the yeah. dragons and all this. I, Anamorphic I know Anamorphic lenses. Yeah. I know the names of some of the cameras, and I know some of them are better than others, but, you yeah. know, it's all digital. I don't understand what why... What this digital camera different from... Yeah. yeah why? Yeah, is I, yeah. Yeah. How come Zodiac looks like this <laughs> and everything on Netflix looks like yeah. this? And I know it's
1: not all just that because Tangerine looks great. on the iPhone. iPhone. Yeah. iPhones. Yeah. So, you know, who knows?
2: Yeah. It, it is not... the the digital versus analog thing it is definitely not that simple Mm -hmm. Uh, and again it's just the limits of our our knowledge as not being technical guys you know we can identify if the close-up's being a, a wider and n- a narrow lens is being used for the close-up, and that's about what we can give you. <laughs> we can give you the
0: symbolic <laughs> meaning of the Dutch angle that's used in the there whatever you go, yeah, shot, yeah, exactly. Right?
1: But, but I would suggest that it's an intentional choice. I think they are choosing something more kitschy TV-ish. Sure, I think so, rather, rather than... I, 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 I think they would have been able to at least change settings in said camera or acquire cameras for not significant yep. amounts more money. I, I can Not s- in
0: today's... Yeah, not in 2023,
1: I think. Yeah, it seems like the media of those pieces is, is is this is intentional aesthetics rather than the limitation of this is the best we can get
0: yeah and I mean this, this is a series that has a kind of a long tradition of TV specials kind of mm-hmm. post the initial series right so I think maybe also trying to capture some of the spirit of that as well right. sure
2: I mean he does fully recreate the intro to the, the show at yeah, the end does. of the movie which yeah. is charming so yeah. fun and
1: I, and I love this again we're talking about all kinds of aesthetics here and I do love the sort of psychobilly you know sort of surf guitar aesthetic itself mm-hmm. as something is fully embraced by the movie which is something dated that nobody really cares about anymore mm-hmm. but um, I, I, I do like that sonically even though you have Disco Vampire and a couple of these other pieces throughout that they all sort of remain in that world of Boris Karloff's Munster Mash meets that 60's you know 007 yeah. uh, secret agent man kind of guitar, surf guitar, surf yeah. guitar which mm-hmm. is the the sort of bones that creates Psycho Billy and the Kinks and that music that later on sort of popularizes itself in the 70s, um, that there is a Sonic aesthetic as well in the movie that's I just dig it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody loves it, and I and I get why it might put an audience off. But And
2: I think to that point, there's a performance aesthetic. You know, if we talked a little bit about the performances uh, in, in review and a tiny bit now, but I, I think that there everybody is really dialed in, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody is giving the same kind of performance and that's really crucial in something like this. Um, there, there's kind of an interesting thing about getting into bed with family
0: Uh, Business wise in here It doesn't really go anywhere Mm -hmm. But it's like Played with a little bit That is like the one Background plot thing You were alluding to earlier Exactly What's gonna happen With the house We
2: keep having this plot Of Lily's brother uh, Who's a werewolf Um, Checks out Yeah sure Sure why not Not a character from the series Right Uh, no, but I mean, it explains why their kid Ed, is, a werewolf. Ed is a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's werewolf blood in the family. Blood, yeah. Yeah.
1: and Bella from you know uh, that's a great w- character. Yeah, from you, the Wolfman, the, the, uh, the Romany person person um, yeah. that is with uh, that is Bella Lugosi's character in yeah. the Wolfman from the yeah. '30s or the '40s. '40s. But 40, anyway, 40, yeah, 41, the Count's
2: ex wants to steal his castle and you know goes through his son to do that. And uh, but don't worry, he makes good. Comes makes a killing in Vegas and gives half of the winnings to.
1: Herman and they get to be rich at the end of the movie which means they can live comfortably and not have to negotiate the world other than when they want to yeah. right? which sets up the sequels or the series right yeah. and I think that's all
2: any of us want is mm. the freedom and means to interact with the world as little or as much as we want to yes <laughs> it's kind of a classic and uh, you know it's very dumb it's very stupid uh, That that's the limits of our imagination for most happy endings uh, now they're independently wealthy and mm-hmm. that's that is you know very it's in line with the film for sure but boy is it it's just like we kind of makes you roll your eyes a little bit Mm -hmm. you know just god god we should really deserve better happy endings in our stories (laughs) uh i don't know i i I mean this is not that but yes yeah yeah. and and, and again this is not the film you should be going to for you know a film about self-actualization probably this is not not well You know, maybe.
1: Other than find your tribe. I I, I do think there is a cell. Yeah, find your your people. And as long as you are normal for your normals, who cares what the other normies think about you guys as freaks, you know, because everyone thinks somebody else is a freak. And you know what? Fine. Just be a freak with your freaks.
2: The reveal of the day after the Halloween party is so funny. So hilarious. That's a really good bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was unfortunately at the moment where I was like, oh my God, how much longer does this movie have? (laughs) Uh, Surely we're Creeping up on the yeah. end. Right. Like and it is. It is such an abrupt ending that it does like you're truly just like, oh, that. Well, OK, that's it. Oh, OK. We're going out on that, I guess. Yeah, it's and it's it is just one of those like Popeye. It makes you wonder about the limits of adaptation and and surely anything can be made into a good film, but it takes a lot of skill to turn something that does not inherently lend itself to a feature length narrative film forcing something into that shape is not always successful Mm -hmm. and i think that is what maybe we can learn from these last three weeks from the last unicorn and popeye in this is forcing something that is not a film to be a film is a fool's errand sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's not always going to work and it's it's going to take a lot of work and it might only halfway come together and that's I don't know. I, I again, I, I think about the film adaptation and the Brian Cox character, who's based on a real like screenplay uh teacher. But it just you know, you can make a good story out of anything. You're just not looking hard enough. You know, he really reads Nick Cage's character, the Riot Act, and mm-hmm. I think in all three of these movies, we can see a better movie hiding in there somewhere. Because I think you know we're all mostly positive on these three films that we've talked about the last few weeks, but we're also pretty mixed on them except for you in this film i guess
1: yeah i like this one more and i don't like
2: popeye as much yeah but yeah but otherwise we're not too far from each other and then and the spread so i'm just kind of thinking about these interesting adaptations and, and how they don't quite manage to become a successful film mm-hmm. uh, despite you know maybe really successfully adapting some elements of their source material
1: yeah which is fair and fine well let's go ahead and render a verdict then what do we do with uh, the monsters do we leave it streaming um do we trash it as i mean by when i say that or do we shelf it what do you say Arthur?
0: yeah i think i would ever so gently put this on the garbage heap yeah. uh yeah I, I you know like i said i would watch a, a series uh in zombies vein producing directing i would also watch a sequel like i'm curious to kind of see where this could go but as far as the monsters Uh, 2022, uh, Peacock, Universal, Netflix, whatever it is, uh, I'm going to just very lightly put it on the trash.
1: Very good, very good. What do you say? Well,
2: I think to put this one in the trash, you would first have to rip it off of a streaming service and then burn it onto a disc.
0: Right. And then it'll throw never see disc a physical copy.
2: Exactly. And it'll be a tax right off in How a year. You say yeah. that.
1: I, I think Netflix tends to, well, not well, this, they won't not well, this. Maybe it, not. And
2: again, this is a universal's like straight to home video. I think it did actually get a physical release. Oh, that's maybe it did because it's the universal's yeah. home, mm-hmm. home. I think it did get a physical arm. Okay. That would make a lot more sense than, than it, it not, only ever living on Netflix. But that, I think that that's where Sorry it to disparage you, streaming sites. Yeah.
1: I, I tell you what, if I would not buy it right now, if I found it in the five dollar bin at Walmart, I wouldn't spend the five dollars. Um, okay, <laughs>
0: okay. So, so
1: I mean, that's that's something I want to make make sure that I'm kind of clear about here. It's not
0: your, it's not worth your coffee money.
1: However, mm-hmm. I would pay twenty five dollars. For the Vinegar Syndrome release, where it's got like a um a, a single a record single like a real vinyl record single oh, okay. like attached to it, you know, like that uh-huh. sort of So ext- you want everything but the film? Uh, well, well, no, I, I think you know it, it, it's, I, I I'm just so enamored with the aesthetics. I would I would hmm. want to have it on display. Sure, you know what I mean. But think the box set would be really cool. It'd be fun to have. I want yeah. a yeah, art print
0: that. of that monster poster. Yeah, because it's it's sick. really cool. Yeah
1: and And that's what I mean is as I want something along those kinds
0: of lines it's a collector's item, not a to watch not kind a of to thing. watch yeah, thing yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so
1: I mean what that means is trash, but also there's a way in which physical Munsters media might be a thing I would purchase in the mm-hmm. future, which which would include a blu-ray it uh, is uh, an interesting oddity yeah, and I
2: think we're you know having fun with but mm-hmm. yeah I think I think we're trash is yeah where it belongs for all of us it seems like.
1: But, yeah, I would buy other Rob Zombie movies, but not this one. Okay. Yeah. So there you go, dear
2: listener. Well, you tell us. Shell for Trash, streaming or what? How do you think the monsters should live on? Uh, tell us. Good Trash Genrecast at gmail.com. Uh, that is the name of the show you're listening to. Good Trash Genrecast at gmail.com. Um, live events coming up. Um, so a few weeks ago, uh, we discussed The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. With Lucas Dunn. Um, his event Mondo Mondays are back. Uh, he's every Monday at 8 o'clock at the Bunker Club. He's hosting a different cult film. Uh, I will be uh, his guest host on September the 11th. Um, we will be talking about the Harmony Korine film Trash Humpers.
1: <gasps> so, oh, really?
2: Make it out for September 11th. People have been telling me that's a significant easy to remember date. It's uh, my
1: kid's birthday.
0: Yeah. Uh, is that what it is? I know where you're taking them. Mm-hmm.
1: Not to that. So <laughs>
2: thought your kid's birthday was in. Oh, your birthday's in November. That's right. Yeah, I
1: forget it's on the 11th. Yeah, that's funny. Don't both boys have the same birthday? They do, but that's yeah. in March. The other kid.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgot but about that one. I, 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 I don't know how I did
1: that. I have three children, Arthur. Oh, I they all matter.
2: My sister and I have the same. He's thing. got the same age day. And I of got month. his memory month and that fun anyway uh, Mondo Mondays are back it's a cool local thing if you're into film and you're you're a local listener you should go check it out Uh bunker club on 23rd Street in Oklahoma City which is a very cool venue yeah aesthetically uh, uh, they've covered um, I think they're they did um, oh my god the divine movie uh, with John Which Waters, uh, pink flamingos. Thank you. The, mm-hmm. That one. I love uh, they Roger did, they, Waters. They, yeah, they uh, did. You said Roger Waters. Oh, <laughs> John John Rivers. <laughs> John
1: Joan Rivers. I love her movies. Can we talk? Uh, they
2: did. Melissa
0: Joan Hart. They did love pink it.
2: flamingos. They did Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I'm going to Repo Man tomorrow. So by the time you're listening to this, that's already been seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's the kind of stuff they're showing. So go check it out. Mondo Mondays. And Sabrina get,
0: the Pink Flamingo.
2: Sure. <laughs> uh, I will tell you again before it happens, September 11th. I will be co-hosting Trash Humpers. Fun. What a good time. Uh, you can also find this show and all of our shenanigans and other podcasts we are adjacent to uh, on Good Trash Media, uh, on all of the social networks uh, at Good Trash Media. We don't really update super often anymore, mostly because they're all bad. Uh, and I don't know what days. I'm
0: tweeting or posting to anymore. Are you
1: zeding? You're yeah. suiting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm Dollywood. I thought it was Creeding because the yeah, X is like a ch sound, right? Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh I'm Dollywood Squares on Blue Sky and Threads. I don't know. I'm not Oof. posting it. Yeah, I know the Twitter alternatives. It's it's bleak hours out here for posters. Um, I don't know. We're, we're on the internet. Uh, the last thing for you to know, and this I guess is the most important uh, if you want to help support the show, help us uh, keep the lights on and get new stuff, we're recording uh, still on new equipment and just loving that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM for more info on that whole arrangement. What's in it for you? Uh, ideally picking a movie that's one of the big big goals uh, or uh, the, the big brackets you can pick from uh, but there's all kinds of stuff for you to choose from and, and you know low donation tiers it's all good if you don't want to give us money that's fine too mm-hmm. uh, patreon.com forward slash gtm uh, that's how we keep the show going uh speaking
0: of keeping the show going we speaking will- of picking movies Dalton you're picking a movie for next week
2: it's host pick time time. it's host pick time and the question is
0: did you stay within the rules of the marathon or are you breaking the barriers family film you're going showgirls I, I really. What are we showing the girls? I could have made a hard pivot.
2: You're you so could've. right. I really <laughs> could have really just could've. gone out of pocket on you guys. <laughs> there are no rules except
0: there are kind of we rules. We could have
2: just immediately done um, that Madonna Willem Dafoe movie. I can never remember the title of Body of Evidence or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. we could have really. Uh, no, we will be staying in the family film pocket. Uh, we, are, we are going to close this out and make this a proper four episode marathon. Um, I have chosen one of my favorite. Very favorite children's films uh, from my time as a child. And it is the 1993 Chris Columbus classic starring one Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire. Another adaptation. Uh, yes. So like all adaptations uh, on this uh, marathon. Alias Madame da- Doubtfire hmm. It's the YA book it is based on. It's a English children's. I did not know or, that. English huh. YA novel.
1: Yeah. And the then more you know right so anyway next week mrs doubtfire it will be a drive-by fruiting you keep watching we'll keep talking and we'll see you all next time